0: We're in the fourth lesson of our series, The Anatomy of an Answered Prayer, and we've been talking through the story of, in Acts chapter number three, about Peter and John going through to to the temple to pray. They're in the act, or going to the act of prayer, they're in an attitude of prayer, and as they pass by a lame man, things begin to change, things begin to happen as they respond. It's the story of believers being willing to respond to someone in need and and place themselves in an opportunity for God to do a miracle. And it's the story of a lame man, somebody who has a need, being willing, being open to placing themselves in the path of a solution to their problem. And when a believer encounters one in need, a decision is made. There's always a decision made. Do we engage or do we not engage? Do we work to make a difference? Or do we not work to make a difference? Do we, do we reach out and ask for the help that we need if we're the one in need? Or do we sit by and just let people pass by? When the believer engages, then an investment must be made. When a believer engages, if you're a believer today and you say, yes, I want to make a difference in someone's life when there's a, there's a need presented, I want to be one that makes a difference, then an investment must be made on your part on my part, as we pursue making a difference in people's lives through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, through God working in us. Now, remember from last week, we read that Peter looked at the lame man and said, look at us. He took authority in the moment and he said, I want you to pay attention to me right now. Look at me. It takes some kind of uh, courage, if you will, to tell somebody that has a need to look at you. There's a lot of people that don't like a lot of people looking at them. I'm scared right now. (laughs) But Peter says, look at us. And now we're going to take it from there. The lame man looked at them eagerly. (laughs) Okay, side note. But sometimes we say, look at us, they get upset that people look to us with expectation. Expectation. But he looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were instantly healed and strengthened. That's exciting. Peter and John... Engaged, and their engagement was not restricted to thoughts and quiet prayers. Their engagement led to action, they invested in the situation. And here's the big idea today. If you're a note taker and your service guide, there's an opportunity to take some notes. If you're online, you can download the opportunity to take some notes, or you can just write and scribble on stuff. However you want to do it, get the information down. The big idea is this. An answered prayer is preceded by humble expectation. It's preceded by humble expectation. We say humble expectation because we didn't earn it and we don't deserve it. So we're, if we're the one in need, we're reaching out, recognizing that we can't earn the thing we haven't earned, what we are asking for, and maybe, maybe we don't really even deserve the thing that we're asking for, but we're reaching for it anyway. It's humble expectation. Maybe we're the one praying, and so we're praying for something that we did not earn and we, we cannot deserve. We cannot demand it from God. I'll talk to you about that in a second. But Peter and John, nothing in Scripture says that God said, Peter, John, thou shalt pray for the man who is lame by the gate beautiful. Uh, Y'all didn't know God speaks in King James English, if you weren't certain. I wanted to settle that this morning for you. That was funny to me. Anyway, (laughs) I'm thankful for the two of you that laughed. It was funny. So Peter and John are looking at the man in need, and they decide, I'm going to engage i'm going to make the difference here and i'm going to just see what god will do so it's humble but it's also expecting expectation is given because faith is placing complete trust or confidence in someone or something it's saying I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to place my trust in you in a way that, that believes that you're going to do something for me in this moment. There's an expectation from the engagement that I'm in. Humble expectation is needed on both sides of the equation. We've been talking about this story from the side of those that are in the, the act or going to the act and are in the uh, attitude of prayer. And we're talking about it from the side of the man that's in need. So no matter what side of the equation you're coming into this moment in or from, you come to it with humble expectation. I pray because I expect God to do something. I ask because I expect God to do something. I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this, that humble expectation is the down payment of faith. The down payment of faith. So the Bible tells us that faith is, and I'll quote it in King James, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's it's putting our foot out there when we see nothing to stand on and believing that when our foot comes down, there's going to be something solid underneath it. It's not done blindly. It's done because we... We know that God will provide for us. Faith is how. The other day, I was at a restaurant and we had a number of people there, and and one of the people there that was uh, picking up the tab um, got up at one point during the meal and and made his way around and and uh, you know kind of was headed to the men's room and but as he passed me, he leaned down and he whispered in my ear. I was intending to pay for everybody, but I forgot my wallet. And then he walked on. That's either called brilliance or faith. I'm thinking it was faith. I went, okay. And he walked on and we handled things. It's just believing that I'm about to put some weight on this thing and I'm going to trust that it's going to hold. Faith is placed on one that's greater than oneself. It's saying I'm in a place of weakness right now or I don't have the strength to do that thing and so I'm going to, I'm going to put my trust in one that can. One that I believe can do something greater than I can do right now. Humility recognizes that position. That position of, I forgot my wallet. Or that position of, I, I, I don't, we need to escape, but I can't part the sea. We need to go into the promised land, but I can't stop the river. We, we need a healing in this moment, but I can't heal the person. So I'm calling on one who can. Who can do those things that I can't do. Faith is placing one's trust in that, that other's ability... To do what I cannot do. So the lame man is placing faith in Peter and John. He looks at them expectantly for some money. He doesn't have money. And he's expecting that they do. They're walking into the temple. They're going to have to pay uh, an offering at the temple. He, he's placed himself there because it's an, the best place he knows to be in the path of a possible solution. And so he's there and he's looking at them and he's saying, can you help me with some money? And he's expecting them to have what he doesn't have and provide his need. But Peter and John are equally expecting. In fact, if the lame man had known that they did not have silver or gold, he probably wouldn't have looked at them at all. But Peter and John say, look at us. He looks at them expecting money. And then they look at Jesus and they say, silver and gold, I don't have, but such as I have. What do I have? I have a relationship with one who can handle stuff. So such as I have, I give you. Both are looking with expectation, with faith, and they're placing their faith in another before anything has actually occurred. So when we're coming with a need or we're coming with a prayer, we do so with humble expectation. And hum, humble expectation is not a demand. There are theologies out there that say that we as believers, children of God, can demand things from God, from our Father. And, and I find it somewhat preposterous to think that way. It's like a five-year-old walking up to their parents saying, I demand five dollars. Really? Really? Do you demand that? Because the demand says, if you don't give me what I want, I will, you're, it's going to cost you something. I'm going to make you suffer somehow. So the five-year-old may say, well, if, if you don't give me $5, then I'm going to run away. I have just saved far more than $5. <laughs> That's a joke, <laughs> okay? Okay. Like as not, they're going to come back because a a five-year-old doesn't really run away very far before they realize, "Ooh, I'm scared. I need mama. I need daddy. And so they end up coming back. There really isn't that big of a cost there. And how, it's even less of that whenever you and I look at God and say, God, if you don't do what I say, I'm not going to. But you know, our culture, we think much of ourselves because so many people today say, well, if God doesn't do what I want him to do, how I want him to do it, when I want him to do it, then I just will stop believing in God. That doesn't affect God at all. It affects you. And it affects your relationship with him. But it doesn't change his reality. You're not taking anything away from God at all if you try to demand something. Because you can bring no cost to the all-sufficient one. So we don't come with a demand. We come with humble expectation. Humble expectation places weight on a relationship without a cost for refusal. And so that is the five-year-old that comes to mom and dad and says, I need $5, please. And mom and dad look at them and, and they've placed weight upon the relationship. And they'll take the $5 out and give it to the child. Christy has no problem placing weight on our relationship. We've been married almost 25 years, next month will be, and and she'll call me at any point of the day, at any time, no matter what I'm doing, and she'll say, I need you to do X, Y, Z. And we will drop whatever we're doing, and we will go try to fulfill that need, if at all possible. She's just placing weight. Now, she doesn't say, if you don't do it, I'm divorcing you. There isn't a cost placed on it but there is a weight on the relationship you and i as children of god we can place weight on the relationship that we have with him and i said that an answered prayer is preceded by a humble expect or no i said the humble expectation is the down payment of faith and what i mean by down payment of faith is because it's offered before anything's finalized when you buy a house or a car you play you place earnest money down you put something down on it before you have a contract. You put something out there and, and that thing says, hey, I'm, I'm serious about this. I believe that this can really happen. The reason why Christy doesn't have any problem placing weight upon our relationship is because there was a time whenever I walked, went and met with her mom my mother and father-in-law are here today and my brother-in-law's here today. And I'm, we're honored that they're with us. They're getting, we're getting ready for Talon and Meredith's wedding next Saturday and, and it's all very exciting. But I met with uh, Christy's mom. She wasn't married to Scott at, yet at that time. And, and so I, I, said, I said, Joanne, do you mind if I date your daughter? And Joanne said, no, I don't mind. And so I then talked to Christy and I said, hey, I'd like to get to know you better. Can I take you out on a date? She said, sure. But, but I, I invested in it. She could have said, I don't think so. <laughs> she could have said, nuh no. She's never said nuh-uh in her life. Anyway, she could have turned me down, and I had to invest something before I could possibly get a return. A little while later, I went back to Joanne. I said, can I ask your daughter to marry me? She said, Yes. So then I went to Christy and I said, will you marry me? Thankfully, she said yes. So I've invested several times in order to get a return. And now we've been married 25 years. But with that, with that, she places weight on a relationship because she already has had investment in the relationship. You do that every time that you try to build a relationship or take a relationship to another place. You invest something. You put yourself on the line. And whenever you're talking about with God, when you ask God to engage with a need, you invest humble expectation. We're saying, God, I trust you enough to expect something from you in this situation. I trust you to deliver what I need. A declared faith. Without any expectation at all is not faith at all. It's not faith. Think about it this way. Let's say I came to you this today and I said, Listen, could you meet me here at the church at 230? Because I I need a ride from here to Mitchell Road and, and I'd like for you I'm asking you to give me a ride from here to the property for the groundbreaking at three o'clock. See what I did there? I'm Just kind of reminding you along the way. And so now you show up at 2.30, just like I asked, and you see me getting into someone else's car, and you're like, okay. And then that person drives to Mitchell Road, and you're following along going, what is going on here? And then you get to Mitchell Road, I pop out, I walk over, and, and we have the groundbreaking ceremony. Everything seems cool. But you come up to me afterwards and say, hey, I, I met you, I was there at 2.30, 30?" like you asked me to, and I uh, was ready to give you a ride. But then you rode with that other person. You came to the same place you asked me to bring you. And, and what, what, what's the deal? And what if I said to you, oh, I know. You know, I felt like I, I needed to ask you for that. I felt like I needed to ask you, but I didn't expect you to, anything from you. I just kind of felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And so, so I asked you because, you know, I'm a good person, and we're friends, and so I'm supposed to ask you for things, so that's what I asked you for. But I didn't really expect you anything out of you. You might think, that guy doesn't trust me. We don't really have the relationship I thought we had. And you would be right. But we do the same thing at times with God. There are many people who are Christians who go through process, Of prayer without offering an expectation of prayer. And prayer without expectation is religious ritual without relationship. It's a ritual without relationship it's going through the motions of something without the actual connection with the thing that we're going through the motions with so we might assume the proper position we might say the proper words we might go we might say the thing that's that we've memorized or and there's nothing wrong with a memorized prayer but but if it is simply a ritual ritual does not equal change this man, this lame man did not need somebody that had a ritual about lame people. He needed somebody who had a relationship with a God who could change the situation. And you and I do too. God calls us not to ritualistic prayer, but to prayer that's going to make a difference. And that prayer demands that expectation be placed upon it praise God. Thought number two is this, humble expectation results in action. Peter and John took action on the thing that they expected. They reached down and they lifted the man to his feet. It's interesting to me that the scripture does not tell us that they said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man's feet and ankle bones regained strength. And then Peter reached down and helped him to his feet. No, the scripture distinctly says in every version that Peter reached down and as he lifted him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Sometimes the miracle is happening as we are acting on the thing we're asking for. That expectation led them to action. Expect an answer and act on what you expect. When you ask for wisdom, act in the belief that you've received wisdom. I can tell you that there are many times that people sit with me or ask me questions and they ask the question and I realize I do not have a context for this. I don't really know what to do with this. I, I've never been in this moment. I was in a situation one time. We were in Ghana, uh, Ghana, uh, Tamale, Ghana. And, and I was talking, uh, I, we had taught at a, a pastor's conference. There's about 500 pastors there. And at the end of the pastor's conference, we did a Q&A. So I'm sitting on the stage with a number of other pastors and, uh, who, had, who had either done teaching or were elders within the, uh, the, the group that we were with. And we said, okay, any questions? And there were many questions, but one of the questions, a gentleman stood up and said, this question is for Pastor Micah. When Boko Haram comes into our town, oh, I'm sorry. He started with, I'm the only Christian within 100 kilometers of my village. He said, when Boko Haram comes into our area to take the young men and the young women to be part of their organization, all the villagers run and hide to try to save themselves. He said, When I run and hide with them, am I denying Christ? Or should I stand and declare Christ, knowing that they will kill me if I do? Everybody in the area, except for him, within 100 kilometers, are all Muslim. And Boko Haram is a militant Muslim. And they will kill me if I do. And then he said thank you very much, and sat down and awaited my response. Okay. Let's just be honest. I really have not dealt with that particular problem in Tomball, Texas, or Kona, Hawaii, or anywhere else I've lived. I'm thankful that I've not experienced that particular issue in Sylvania, Ohio. And yet this man is asking me for my wisdom in this moment. And I did not know what to tell him. I'm sitting there going, Father, in the name of Jesus, I need your wisdom right now. And instantly, can I just tell you, instantly wisdom came and I was able to give him an answer. I was able to give him an answer that I had never considered. It just automatically popped into my mind and I was able to say it to him and I'll tell you what it was next week. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's a joke. I, I'll tell you right now. I said to him, <laughs> I said, <laughs> that was awesome. I said, <laughs> I said, I cannot tell you what to do with, I cannot tell you what to do in every situation. Here's what I know, that Paul heard about, heard a rumor that people were going to try to kill him and he went into a, got into a basket and he was lowered off uh, uh, over the wall and, and he fled and he ran for his life. And yet a few years later, we know that he stood in front of Caesar and he declared the gospel knowing that it would cost him his life. So there may be a time when God calls you to give your life for the gospel, but but you will know when that time comes. So until then, flee with the rest of the villagers and live to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who would come to him as long as God allows you to. And that was my answer. Praise God. But I never considered that. When you pray for wisdom, act as if God has given you wisdom. When you pray for healing, act in the belief that you've received healing. I'm not telling you to quit taking your medication. I am telling you to go talk to your doctor. The fact is, if God's healed you, your doctor's going to know. They may not be able to explain it, but they'll know it. They'll test you for all kinds of other stuff. And then tell you, we don't know what happened. I've heard that testimony many times. And we praise God for it. Don't ignore your doctor. Okay, when you're asking for provision, act in the belief you've received provision. Begin to move forward. We've seen this in our move toward this building project. We've prayed about this. We've fasted about this. We've sought God. We've done everything we can to do things in the right way. And God has provided. And we have experienced setbacks. This little thing called COVID got in the way. We've been working on this for a long time. But Tom Thayer said something powerful in the video that we did talking about all this and explaining where we're at. He said, I think God may be testing us to see how serious we are about moving the mission forward. But I want you to notice that he did not say moving the building forward. He said moving the mission forward because the building is a tool, the building is not a mission. People are always the mission. Peter and John were on mission and they were making decisions that would further the mission and God responded to their prayer. He responded to their call. But we struggle with this thing called doubt. From the moment that we profess something, I believe God is going to do this or I'm praying that God is going to handle that. To the moment we act on it, doubt gets in there. And and so we might profess something, we might pray for something, but even when we do, when we profess it, sometimes we we add all the addendums. We we act like we are a, a pharmaceutical company with an ad on television. It's got two seconds worth of ad and five seconds worth of explanations and disclaimers. And sometimes that's what we do with God. We say, Well, sometimes we even say the words, if it be God's will, which is the ultimate cop out of not placing the power, the weight on the relationship. Here's the thing, because I can't demand his will, whatever he does will be his will. My goal is not to give him a way out. I don't need to. My goal is to bring the expectation of faith and act accordingly. The question that, that stops many from seeing all that God can do through them is the question, what if God doesn't? What if God doesn't? More people ask what if God doesn't than ask what if God does. We, we have all kinds of plans, contingency plans for failure. But we don't have plans for progress and success. We do that in our marriages We do that in our businesses. We do that in in areas of faith in Christ. We have all kinds of knowledge of if this doesn't work, we're going to do ABC. We're going to get by like this. Instead of saying, when this works, here's how we're going to handle it. And sometimes we don't act in faith and we take the opportunity for a miracle off the table. It would have been so easy for Peter and John just to walk on by the lame man. Never say a word. Because what if God doesn't? But what if God does? What if God does heal your friend? What if God does restore your marriage? What if God does bring you into that relationship? What if God does build your business? What if God does... Well, I'm looking at all the indications and that man had been living from his mother's womb as a lame man. No indications that anything better would ever happen to him. But what if God does? What if God does? The reality is that the hesitancy reveals our true focus. Our true concern is for self versus mission or need. So we ask the question, what if God doesn't? Because we're worried about our reputation. We're worried about our embarrassment. What if I reach over there and I lift the man up and then I have to set him back down because God didn't heal his legs. He's in the same position he was before you gave it a shot. Before you put weight upon God to do something miraculous, his situation hasn't gotten worse. But you also gave it an opportunity to get better. So many times we ask the question, what if God doesn't? And what we really mean is, what if I'm embarrassed by it? What, what if I ask for help and then I don't get the help that I really want? Or, or what if I ask, it, do you, can I help you? And then I can't provide. I'm really, I'm really just putting myself on the line here. What if God doesn't? Here's, here's a clarity that we might need to come to. God doesn't need us to protect his reputation. He called us to be witnesses of what he does. He called us witnesses. He did not call us creators of miracles. He didn't say, you shall receive power from on high and then you will create miracles all over the world. He said, you'll be witnesses for me. Witnesses for me. So we act upon what we expect and we trust God to do what only he can do. And that brings us to thought number three. Humble expectation welcomes God's vision into your life. Welcomes God's vision into your life. And you might be saying, Well, I feel like you're challenging my faith today, Pastor. I am. I'm challenging our faith today. I'm challenging our faith to step out into the unknown and make a difference. But when we ask for things, whether it be in prayer, or whether it be for our own need. When we ask for things, we usually have a solution in mind. In this case, this man said, I need money. He looked at them expectantly, eagerly, expecting money from them because money was the extent of his vision. All he could see is, They're walking by. They're going to go into the temple. They might have money that they're willing to give me. They could give me a lot of money. And if they gave me a lot of money, I might not have to show up tomorrow. If they give me a lot of money, I might be able to get a little extra. I might be able to put a little bit of something aside. But Peter and John, they had a different vision. Because they were exposed to different vision. They had seen Jesus heal plenty of people. In fact, when they were sent out two by two... The scripture says that they healed people. So they had seen God do the miraculous thing. And they had, they had a bigger vision than the lame man did. The lame man was eager for a changed day. But God was looking for a changed life. God's vision was to answer the man's need instead of giving him what he desired. He desired money. God was giving him healing. Oftentimes, our desire is too small. But we pray for the outcome that we desire. And God will give us the desire of our heart. I want you to hear me clearly here. God will give us the desire of our heart, but not at the expense of what we really need. He always prioritizes our need over our desire because he's our father and he knows what we really need. This man asked for money. That would have given him a short-term gain, but he received healing. That gave him a long-term benefit. Is your vision too small today? Are you looking for a momentary win while God is talking about he's looking at his vision is for victory for a lifetime maybe maybe you're saying well my vision today is this I I want to make sure me and my significant other we don't fight today I I just I just want to have a day where we don't fight and that's a good vision but God's vision is a happy relationship and a strong godly relationship Maybe in your world, you're looking at your, your company and you're saying, my, my vision today is, is to just, you know, break even. God's vision may be to take you into profitability. You might be looking at your spiritual walk and saying, my, my, I, just, I just hope that I don't get mad at church today. I hope so too. But God's vision may be saying, I want to take you a little bit further in your step of faith. As a church, maybe our vision is, maybe we can see a few more people get saved. But could it be that God's vision is to change the trajectory of a whole community? Is our vision just a little bit too small? How about we bring our need to God and we trust that he will deliver what we need even if it's not what we want right now. Refusing what you need in favor of what you want is pride. It's saying, God, you don't actually know what's best for me. I do. And this is what I want. So I'm going to refuse what you're trying to bring into my life in order to Demand that you give me what I want. That's called pride. And it's ironic to me that pride isolates us with the problem and with the solution. Pride that isolates us with the problem is saying, I don't want to be seen as not enough. I don't want to be seen as coming up short. So I'm just going to not let anybody know that I've got a problem. And pride isolates us with our problem. But pride also isolates us with the solution. Whenever we start asking the question, well, what if God doesn't? And so we never reach out and give God the opportunity to work through us. Pride's a crazy thing. It isolates us with the problem and with the solution. So today, the question is what if God does? Can we ask what if God does and accept His vision for our life. To confidently take action in humble expectation, you must be convinced that whatever God offers will be greater than anything you could ever ask or think. Such as I have, give I thee. I don't have a clue what God's about to do. But I'm gonna believe that it's gonna be better than what this man's asking for. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk and reaching forward, He grabbed the man by the right hand that's significant in scripture because right hand is the right hand of power. It means that, that not only is Peter taking authority there, but the man is reaching up with his best, everything that he has. And Peter's grabbing him and he's lifting him up. And as he lifts him up, his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. Could it be that God is just waiting for you to stand up? To take action in your area of need. And trust that he's going to bring strength to things that for your whole life have been weak, messed up, not working right. But today he's going to change that. It takes somebody saying, look on us. And it takes somebody saying, here I am. The Holy Spirit is in this place right now. I'm believing God to do some incredible things in your life. And in our church. Almost four years ago now, I, we were in a five meeting, a meeting with all of our leaders, and I, I cast the vision. I said, I think we're going to have to get new property in order to be able to grow much more in this building as a church. And what I anticipated... I anticipated that we were going to have to save a lot of money for a lot of years and then eventually we would be able to do something and we would be closed off until then. We'd still be growing, we'd still be doing, we'd still be serving, we'd still be doing a good job in our community, but we wouldn't be able to go to the next level. And when I said this, one person out of about 45 to 50 people, clapped their hands. And her name is Jenny Supritz and she's sitting right there. Amen. And I was like, thank God for Jenny. (laughs) And I went home and I thought, okay, we, are going to start making a plan. And it wasn't too long from there, a couple of days, about a week, maybe I got the phone call, the first phone call that said, I want to give the church 10, 10 acres of land. I believe in what the church is doing and I want to see it grow. And Can I give 10 acres of land? And so we went through the process and eventually they didn't give 10 acres of land because they didn't actually own 10 acres of land, but they were going to purchase it. And So they ended up donating the funds that they were going to purchase the land with. And then somebody else came and they donated some funds. And within a month we had over $800,000 worth of money to be able to put towards property. And so we were, then we thought, amen, praise God. And then we, we looked at one piece of property and realized that we would have to build the building 40 feet in the air because it's in a flood zone. And so uh, that, that wasn't going to work. So then, then somebody said, well, I've got a relationship with some people who own this property over here on Mitchell Road. And, but it's not for sale. Do you want me to approach them? I said, yeah, approach them. You don't know if you don't ask. And so they approached them. And over a year, we we negotiated with them. And then finally, we purchased the property. And and then we started putting plans together. And then we had all of our ducks in a row to start a a resource initiative. And then COVID hit. And so we put pause on everything. But we continued to step out in faith and continue to design and and continue to work on all of this. And then last year, we did the resource initiative. And today at 3 o'clock, we break ground on that property that the Lord has done a miracle in providing for us. Amen. Praise God. The building isn't the vision. People are the mission. But the tool of the building will allow us to expand that vision and keep the mission growing and developing. What is God trying to do in your life? How is he working in your life a down payment with God you put down what you can and then he makes up all the difference you can never pay for it and he says I don't need you to pay for it I just need you to put the down payment reach out to me in humble expectation and watch me do the rest would you bow your heads with me right now and prayer partners would you come forward I encourage you today, don't leave this place. If you've got a need, don't leave this place without touching base with a prayer partner and saying, I just need prayer on something. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give us the courage to place weight upon the relationship and put humble expectation as a down payment out there to see what you will do in our lives, in our world, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our in our companies, and in our jobs, in our careers, in our households, with our children, with our our parents, with relatives, whatever the need is in our physical bodies. We pray, Lord, as we place humble expectation that you will do exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think, not because we deserve it, just because you are a loving Father and a good God. We give you thanks and praise for that. In the awesome name of Jesus, and if that is your prayer, would you just say amen? Amen.